listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to our podcast live from the ABA section of Antitrust Law Spring Meeting 2018. This is Alex Brown from Olson and Bird, and I'm the host for today's episode, which is being recorded on location at the ABA section of Antitrust Law Spring Meeting 2018 in Washington, D.C. Joining me now, I have Phyllis Marcus and Kevin O'Connor. Welcome to the show, Phyllis and Kevin. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you for having us. Before we get started, would you please uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and, and what you do? Phyllis, go ahead. Sure. I am a partner at the law firm Hunt & Andrews Kurth in Washington, D.C. I practice both in the areas of privacy and in consumer protection. I've been at the firm for about two and a half years, and prior to that, I spent 17 years in consumer protection at the Federal Trade Commission, also in Washington. Excellent. Thank you. Kevin? I'm a partner at Godfrey & Kahn based in Madison, Wisconsin. I do have a very active practice in antitrust, consumer protection, and privacy. We specialize in practice involving state attorneys general around the country. Uh, it's a national practice and very excited to be here today. Thank you, Kevin. Well, thank you both for joining us. And uh, today we are going to discuss data, data, and more data. What's going on in the U.S. and EU and data protection law? The first question, just to get us started, would be, what is data privacy and exactly what does that mean in the U.S.? Phyllis? You can break the collection of data into several areas. When you talk about privacy, we can also talk about security. And so in the United States, people do tend to think about the whole spectrum of data in, data processed, data out. And so in our practice, we look at what consumer expectations are with respect to the collection of data from them, what the collector is going to do with the data, and how safely the collector is going to keep that data on the back end. Okay. When we look at data privacy and security uh, in the United States, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of, you know, kind of big news events that, that pop up in that area. One recent event was kind of the data breach that happened at Equifax, which is still being talked about. There's what's been going on with Facebook and uh, the testimony that, that Mark Zuckerberg's given this week in Congress and a lot of other uh, interesting news stories. Uh, is there anything that's kind of jumped out at either of you recently? Yes, just the sheer amount of data that companies like Facebook and Google and other companies, tech companies, have on people is truly astonishing. But what's lost sight of often is that it's not just those companies that retain data on folks. There's a lot of legacy data in a lot of large American corporations and global corporations on people that uh, they may not even be using that much at this point, but it's sitting in a server somewhere or sitting in files somewhere. And it's a pretty important issue to deal with at this point. Is Obviously, the Europeans are, are taking the lead to some extent on how to deal with this, changing the presumption from it being the company's data that they've obtained from consumers through one form or another to the European idea, which is the information belongs to the consumer, it belongs to the, the person whose data it is, and somehow that it's a mind change uh, in, that's going on here in, in the EU in particular. Is there anything formal that's happening right now in Europe that's this kind of change? Yes. In the European Union, uh, the Europeans have proposed a GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, which goes into effect May 25th of this year. And it's a massive change in the way 
data and privacy will be regulated in the EU. And, and in fact, it applies to any company that is retaining data on folks who live in the EU, including American companies. Although when I say American companies, I really mean global companies because many American companies, even you know General Motors, American Express, I mean, you go right down the list, including big law firms that have clients all around the world. So there's one big law firm that was based in a Midwestern city that now defines itself as a global law firm on its website. And so this is going to have far-reaching implications, not just for European companies, but for American companies as well. Have you uh, had any of this in, in your practice, Phyllis, uh, the GDPR? And I think every privacy attorney in the United States has had to consider, learn, and then counsel clients on whether their company is going to have to comply with the GDPR. There are sector-specific privacy laws in the United States. And then, as Kevin said, there is this, we could say general data privacy regulation, but really global <laughs> data privacy regulation might be the better acronym because any company that touches and processes data by or of EU subjects is going to have to understand what their obligations are under the GDPR. And the potential ramifications for not complying are enormous. And what sorts of risks do companies run if, if they're required to comply and they do not? Well, there's some fairly severe penalties in terms of the amount of turnover or revenue, general revenue, that fines can be based on just a whole host of regulatory requirements that could be imposed if, if there are violations. It's a pretty serious uh, regulatory regime. I should add that in the United States, there are many state laws that also impose penalties on companies that you know are involved in data breaches and so forth. Uh, but they tend to be state laws, and they tend to vary all over the map in terms of penalties and what types of activities they affect. At the federal level, there are as I said, sector-specific privacy laws, some of which carry very steep penalties as well, including the children's privacy regulation enforced both by the states and by the federal government. And what do the states and the federal government do, Phyllis, to help protect children's privacy? The law is called COPPA, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. It's been in effect since 1998. The Federal Trade Commission is the primary enforcer of that law. But at the same time, Congress permitted the states to enforce COPPA and built into the statute a system of self-regulatory oversight as well. So it's actually a pretty unique statute in the United States. And the FTC issues cases, at least one per year, guides businesses actively on how to comply, and works with the self-regulatory bodies who also sweep in a number of other app developers and operators and now toy companies and provides backup for them as they seek to get companies collecting children's data in line, because it's pretty sensitive and serious stuff. Absolutely. Is there anything else that's happened recently that either of you have kind of noticed as, as a big change in data privacy and consumer protection? Well, let's go back to the GDPR and talk a little bit about the specifics that the Europeans are going to require companies to do to comply with their new regulation that, again, goes into effect this May. Mm -hmm. A couple of the key points is they are going to require consumers to opt in to disclosure of their data, not simply opt out. 
you know, require an opt-out. And the presumption is that the data belongs to the consumer, and so they have to agree to have their data used. There's a, a requirement of data portability. So if a consumer wants to see what a company has on them, the companies will have to provide that to the consumer on a, in, within a certain number of days. There's a 72-hour uh, notice requirement for any breach, which is pretty strict, especially when companies often don't know the full extent of the breach that might be occurring or have occurred in that time period. There's the so-called right to be forgotten in Europe uh, that is pretty dramatic. It's based on a Spanish case from a few years ago that the European Court of Justice, or I can't remember the exact name of the court, but imposed EU-wide, and now that's embodied in this regulation, which means that if there's something out there on the web that you don't think the a Google search or any any other search engine should find, uh, you can ask them to not find it, which is pretty incredible when you think about it from an American perspective and, and information's out there. But when you start really thinking about it, and that's one of the things we've been talking about here at the ABA spring meeting, is there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, really how does that work exactly in an American context? And again, many of these requirements are going to be effectively imposed on American companies that deal a lot in Europe uh, because it's going to be very hard internally within the company to separate out how they handle uh, European customers versus American customers. Maybe Phyllis has something to add to that. Other hot topics. Well, we're sitting in Washington, D.C. <laughs> it kind of the hottest topic week you can imagine in terms of privacy. There's testimony on the Hill happening right now. FTC Commissioner Terrell McSweeney indicated the other day that she'd like to see additional items of enforcement given to the Federal Trade Commission so that they can more effectively go after privacy violations, including civil penalties, which is an authority that the FTC does not currently have. She'd also like to see the agency's budget bolstered so that the Office of Technology and Research and Innovation at the FTC might have additional resources in order to pursue some of the potential violations that the agency might not be able to pursue otherwise. Just today, the Irish court referred to the European Court of Justice the second wave of what's called the Schrems versus Facebook litigation. And so it is possible that the successor to an earlier treaty and arrangement between the EU and the United States, now called Privacy Shield, might be upended if the European Court of Justice takes a second look at that. So you're here at an interesting time, and it's just going to get hotter and hotter this year. We haven't spoken about the Internet of Things, but that is a topic that people are looking at all year, not just with respect to kids, but cars and the smart home and what kind of data is being collected when you're out and about shopping, when you're sitting in your home, when you're driving, and what consumers should be told about the data that's being collected, where that data is going, and how secure their data is on the back end. There have been breaches. You mentioned Equifax, but a number of other breaches in the news. I don't think we've seen the last of the breaches. We certainly should not expect that we have. And so it's hard to predict what the next hot topic will be, but we can ask you to stay tuned and Come back here because I'm sure there'll be another hot topic soon. I think we can probably get to our last question here. And on the topic of data breaches, you mentioned that the FTC commissioner was, was talking about some potential new arrows in the arsenal, I guess, to, to try to 
enforce privacy rights, protect privacy rights more. It does seem like another data breach is happening, a major data breach is happening, you know, every month or another month, and they're constantly being announced. Is there anything that the the U.S. government can do to try to prevent data breaches? And at this point, do you think that they're doing enough? Well, it'll be interesting to see how far the U.S. goes in following the EU's lead. It's a political question at that level. I've not heard too much from our legislature and the federal legislatures and the president's office, uh, obviously, on this. But that is an an open question and to see how it, it actually plays out. I think one of the interesting questions for, for example, the FTC, and I know they've grappled with this, is if you have a data breach, but there's actually no showing of harm, that the data breach has led to identity fraud or something like that, what should be the, the remedy? Is there a violation and what should the remedy be in that case if there's been a data breach but nothing bad has happened to a consumer? I mean, obviously, the companies involved bear some responsibility to protect the data. And that's something that's going to be great. It was an interesting panel here at the spring meeting that talked about that in, in some a great level of detail. Well, the FTC has issued case after case where they have alleged the failure by a company to enact reasonable security, and they have put out a number of guidance documents on that very topic. And so the position has been that companies certainly are on notice in the United States or Mm -hmm. should be as to what the regulators expect to see of a reasonably secure data set. Okay. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. I want to thank you, Phyllis and Kevin, for joining us today. If our listeners have any questions or wish to follow up with you, uh, how can they reach you, Kevin? Either by email at koconnor at gklaw.com. That's K-O-C-O-N-N-O-R at gklaw.com. Or call me at my office, uh, 608-284-2600. 608-284-2600. And for me, I will echo what Kevin said, an open invitation to have people email or call. My telephone number is 202-955-1810. My email is pmarcus at hunton, H-U-N-T-O-N, A-K dot com. Well, this concludes another podcast from ABA section of Antitrust Law Spring Meeting 2018. If you like what you heard, please find us and rate us in Apple Podcasts. I'm Alex Brown. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.